Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one episode. Your host from Columbus, Ohio, is Michael Kirk. Welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast. Hello and welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast, your digital audio dirt sheet for all things Super Show. Top story this week, major rule change for the game involving spectacles. I'm going to go through what the rules are as of this change. The change is supposed to officially take place, meaning go into effect, on the first of the year. So January 1st, 2023, these rules will be in effect. I know that Chibi, for example, in his Chibi's Thursday night events, he's already implemented that change. And I would not be surprised if other Tournaments, local play, between now and the first of the year, adopt that too. I don't know how many of those they're going to be. As I record this, it is December 25th. There are only six more days left before January 1st, 2023. Let me go through the rules. I'm mostly going from the rules document that Steve Resk posted on the SRG. Super Show Discussion Group. He posted this December 21st, 10.21 p.m. if you want to go find this for yourself. I'm not going to talk about how it was before. I think the simplest way is let's talk about how it's going to be going forward. First, hand check. How many cards do you have in your hand? The number of cards in your hand when you play a card is going to be how many cards you had in the hand before you played the card. So, if I have five cards in my hand, I play a card, I have five cards in my hand. Even though I'm technically holding four and putting one on the table, I'm considered to have five cards in my hand. As far as I know, this is not a change, but apparently... There's some thought that this was a change, that the played card was in some sort of limbo. I'm not familiar with that, but that's how it's going to be. From the time before I play a card until that card hits, hit means you play a card and it is not stopped. Hit just means successfully played. So from the time I play the card until the time it hits, the hand size is determined by the number of cards I had in my hand before I played the card. The next change, and to me this is the most important change, this is the biggest change. When you play a card and your opponent reveals a spectacle, the card that you played is locked in. That is going to be the default state. Player A plays a card, player B reveals a spectacle. The card player A played is locked in place with a couple of exceptions. There are a couple of spectacles that will, when revealed, bounce the card back to the player's hand. The official text per the rules document is, you are locked into your played card unless a spectacle or game effect makes that play no longer legal or possible. Every spectacle has the ability to see what your opponent is doing and then make your play. You will never have to play a spectacle blind. You will always be able to see the card your opponent is playing first, and then decide if you're going to use a spectacle or not. Those are the general rules. Now, there's a list of notes on this document. I'm going to go through each spectacle, Valiant and Newman, Talk about how they work. Mention the notes that are on here. I'm going to go through the spectacles in the order they appear on the rules documents. I will start with Valiant, Advise from the Sidelines. The text is as follows, and I'll read the text for each one and then talk about how they work. Once a match, during your opponent's turn, when you have at least three fewer cards, in your hand than your opponent. 
you may reveal this card. Choose Strike, Grapple, or Submission. Your opponent cannot play cards of the chosen type until the end of the turn. So, for example, player A has eight cards in hand, player B has three, player A plays a strike, player B reveals advice from the sidelines, chooses strike, the opponent, player A, cannot play strikes. This is one of those times where the card will bounce back to the hand. Now, when this happens, player A, who is now not able to play strikes, he has the option to switch to a grapple, to switch to a submission, or he can choose to play no card, pass his turn, and then bury a card in his discard pile if able. Just because he played a card does not mean he's locked into playing a card with advice from the sidelines. He is allowed to change his mind and choose to not play a card if this card is revealed. Next spectacle. Did it better? Once a match, when your opponent hits card 28, 29, or 30 without a skill or competitor logo, their finish rolls are minus one this turn. If you have Photobombed by Nemesis revealed, they are minus three instead. Photobombed by Nemesis is an entrance card. So if you have that entrance card revealed, then this second part of the card kicks in. You do not have to play, or rather, you do not have to reveal the spectacle until the opponent has rolled the finish roll. So, for example, Crowd Meter Zero, Player A plays a finish. We'll say card number 28. It's not a finish for his competitor. It doesn't have the competitor's logo on it. It's not a skill requirement card. You can reveal this spectacle. You are allowed to wait, however, until they roll their finish roll. So, if they roll a 5 for their finish roll, and that's 5 total, considering crowd meter, considering any other boosts in play, if they roll a 5, you can choose to not reveal this and just roll for the five. You are allowed to wait and see what the finish roll is before deciding if you want to use did it better. So for example, if they roll a 10, you might decide, all right, well now I'm going to use did it better to make that a nine. If they roll an 11, normally you can't break out them an 11. You can reveal this to make it a 10, but you don't have to reveal it blind. You're allowed to see what the finish roll is first. Next, does the impossible. Once a match, when your opponent has more cards in their hand than you, you may ignore the cannot be stopped text on a card. Example, player A plays a card that says cannot be stopped on it. Player B checks the hand size, sees that player B has less cards in hand than player A, reveals this card. They are now able to play a stop to stop a card that has cannot be stopped on the text of the card. Gets things rolling. And by the way, all these are Valiant Spectacles. I'll let you know when we get to Newman Spectacles. Gets things rolling. Once a match during your turn roll, when you have no cards in play, and at least two fewer cards in play than your opponent, your turn roll is plus three. You are allowed to wait until the turn roll is finalized. So every player... Rolls their dice. You check any other boosts from gimmicks or cards in play. Find out those numbers. Then you are allowed to play Gets Things Rolling. You are allowed to reveal that spectacle. Choose the opponent if that's something you can do. If you're in a multiplayer match, choose the opponent you're going to reveal against. As long as you have no cards in play against that opponent and they have two or more in play against you, you can use this card. Helps you regroup. Once a match, during your turn, when you have one or fewer cards in your hand, you may reveal this card to draw three cards and your turn. You can play a card that turn. So, player A wins the turn roll, draws a card. He has two cards in hand. He plays a card. After he plays the card, he has one card in hand. He can reveal the spectacle, draw three, end the turn.
pops the crowd. Once a match, if you have at least two fewer cards in your hand than your opponent, you may reveal this card to flip two cards. There's no hand size check here. You can do it during any phase of the game. The note with this card is this. When revealed as a card is played, if a gimmick or card triggers as a result of the flip, it would resolve before the card being played resolves. So, here's an example. Player A plays a finish card. Player B, and in this case, I'm going to use the Tornado Tag Team Young Bucks as player B. The Young Bucks gimmick is, after you flip any number of cards, add one card from your discard pile to your hand. Your cards named Superkick are also considered number 17 and number 18. So, player A. Let's say player A plays a finished strike against the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks reveal pops the crap. Per the new rules, that strike finish is locked in. They complete the text of Pops the Crowd. They reveal the spectacle. They flip two cards. Then their gimmick is going to trigger. They can add a card from discard pile to hand. So let's say a stop for the finished strike is in the discard pile. The Young Bucks player can add that to hand. Then the Young Bucks player can play the stop and stop the card. The spectacle reveals first, the spectacle text resolves, then if that spectacle triggers a card effect or a gimmick, that resolves, and then you would go on to finish resolving the played card. So if the gimmick allows you to get the stop, to stop the played card, you can then use that stop to stop the played card. That's Pops the Crowd. Ringside pep talk with. Once a match, during your turn, when you have two or fewer cards in your hand. If you have not played a card, you may reveal this card to draw three cards and your turn. The only note here is that this card, because you ended your turn without playing a card, you would have to then bury a card in your discard pile if possible. Steals the spotlight. Once a match, when the crowd meter is one or greater, during your opponent's turn or turn roll, you may reveal this card to blank the text on a spotlight card until the end of the next turn roll. This is blanking during turn or turn roll. You can't use this after a turn ends. You'd have to wait for the next turn roll to start to reveal this. You can reveal this to prevent an effect from triggering. So, for example, let's say I have snap headbutt in my discard pile. The spotlight effect on it is when I roll strike for my turn roll I can add it to my hand. My opponent can essentially see that I've rolled strike, see that I'm going to pick it up, and then reveal steal the spotlight to blank the text of that and prevent me from picking it up. This also works on a finish or other card that is a spotlight card to blank the text. So let's say I, and I'll be player A here, player A is going to play a finish card that has a spotlight on it. The spotlight effect is not going to matter here. The opponent can still reveal steals the spotlight as long as the crowd meter is one or greater and blank the text. So if that spotlight finish were to give me pluses to my skills, those pluses are gone. It's considered blanked. Not a bad effect to use if you don't have a stop for a finish. This can help at least mitigate some of the damage a finish could do to you. Thunderous support from. Once a match, on your opponent's turn, if you have fewer cards in play than your opponent, copy the text of a card hit this turn if it is not the first card hit. The card is copied until the end of the turn. This is hit, not played. So both cards must be played, must hit, 
and then you can reveal and use this effect. If one of those cards is stopped, this doesn't matter. Two cards must hit in a turn for this card to work. The last card for Valiant that has notes is a card that's not out yet. It's one of the cards that's going to be out. It's from the Kickstarter. Tosses a pretzel once per match. When your opponent has more cards in their hand than you, your opponent flips two cards, then bury one card in your opponent's discard pile. I'm going to use a similar example with the Young Bucks as I did before. So this time, I'll be playing against the Young Bucks. I reveal tosses a pretzel against the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks flip two cards. Then I get a look at the opponent's discard pile, the Young Bucks discard pile, choose a card, and bury it. Their gimmick will not trigger until after I bury the card. So, the Young Bucks would not be able to see what I'm going to bury and say, hold on, before you bury that, we're going to use our gimmick to pick it up. Their gimmick will not activate until after the spectacle has been revealed and fully resolved. Only then will they be able to use their gimmick. Those are all the spectacles with notes on this rules document. I'll go over the other ones really quickly. Calls for the bell. If you stopped an unstoppable finish this turn, you win the match via pinfall. That's not affected by any of the rules changes. Enters from the crowd. Once a match on your turn, when your opponent has seven or more cards in their hand than you, add one card from your discard pile to your hand. The only thing that might affect this is the hand count. Remember, hand size is based on the cards in hand before you play the card and after the card hits. So, start of my turn, I have four cards in hand. My opponent has ten. I cannot play a card and then reveal the spectacle while that card's in play because I don't have seven or more. After that card hits and resolves, if I have three cards in hand and my opponent still has ten, then I absolutely can reveal enters from the crowd and use its effect. Got my back. Once a match, during your opponent's turn, when they have six or more cards in their hand than you, you may search your deck for one card, add it to your hand, and shuffle. This is the card. I'm surprised there are no notes on it. But this is the card that really triggered that rule change. So, example, my opponent has ten cards in their hand. I have four. It's my opponent's turn. They play, say, the finished strike. I don't have a stop in my hand. I can reveal this because... The hand size is based on what it was before they played the card. They have six or more cards in their hand than me. I can use this to search my deck for a stop for that finished strike. Because of the new rule, that finished strike is locked in play. They must play it. I can grab the stop and use it to stop their finish. Rallies the crowd. Once a match during your turn. When your opponent has four or more cards in their hand than you, you may reveal this card to draw one card. Pretty straightforward. To the rescue. Once a match on your opponent's turn, if your opponent has five or more cards in their hand than you, draw two cards. In this case, let's say, for example, your opponent has ten cards. You have five. They play a finished strike. You don't have the stop in your hand. You could reveal this because the hand size checks before they played the card. Draw two cards, and if you draw a stop, you can then play the stop and stop the strike. Because they are locked in. They must play that strike finish. They are committed to see that strike finish through to the end, whether or not it hits or gets stopped. Those are the Valiant Spectacles. Newman Spectacles. These will all be Newman Spectacles. I did not talk about the Valiant Spectacle Extra Life. For those of you who have that, that's a spectacle that only comes into effect during 
certain charity events. It's a one-time use spectacle. And its effect is not covered by these rule changes. It still works the same way it always does. Newman Spectacles bum rushes opponent. This works just like gets things rolling. You're allowed to see the turn roll, allow the turn roll to be finalized, all the cards, gimmicks, determine the final number, then reveal the spectacle. The spectacle text real quick. Once a match during your turn roll, when you have no cards in play and at least two fewer cards in play than your opponent, your opponent's turn roll is minus three. Again, it just exactly like gets things rolling, but with the numbers flipped. Instead of being plus three for you, it's minus three for your opponents. Bumps the rep. Once a match, when you have fewer cards in your hand than your opponent, until the end of the turn, the match cannot end by disqualification. As long as you have fewer cards in your hand than your opponent, and remember the hand size are determined by the cards in both players' hands before cards are played, if a match would end via disqualification due to a certain card being stopped, you can reveal this and prevent that disqualification from happening. You don't have to reveal it blind. You are allowed to see that the match would end via disqualification and use this to prevent it. Distracts the ref. Once a match during your opponent's turn, when they have six or more cards in their hand than you, you may look at their hand, choose one card, and they shuffle it into their deck. This can include the card being played. And this is one of those times when a card does not have to be committed to being played. So, if an opponent plays a finished strike, they had ten cards in hand before they played the finished strike, I have four, I can reveal, distracts the ref, I can look at their hand, including the card they played. So I look at all their cards. I can take the card they played. They would shuffle that card into their deck. And similar to how advised from the sidelines worked, they can either choose to play a different card or, and this is how I understand it, they are not locked into playing a card. They could elect to pass their turn and then bury one card in their discard pile if possible. That distracts the ref. Interferes. Once a match on your opponent's turn, if your opponent has five or more cards in their hand than you, they randomly bury two cards in their hand. Similar effect to distracts the ref. They play a finished strike. I reveal interferes. We assume the card numbers are both, the hand sizes are both such that this card can be revealed. So they would have 10 cards in hand. I would have five. I reveal this. They pick the finish back up, shuffle their hand, whatever they do, so they randomly bury two. After they randomly bury two, if one of the two buried is the card they're going to play, they have to show you that. They'd have to reveal that one of the two random buried cards include the strike finish, include the card they were playing. If it did, then they reveal that it goes on the bottom of their deck. If one of the two randomly buried cards is not the finished strike, they are committed. They must play that finished strike. They cannot change it. Even though the card went back to their hand, if they still have it in their hand after the random burial, they must play it. Taunt's opponent, once a match, during your opponent's turn, when your opponent has four more cards in their hand than you, you may reveal this card to end their turn. So, player A plays a finished strike. Player A has ten cards in their hand when they play the finished strike. Player B has four cards in hand. They can reveal Taunt's opponent because there's a difference of four or more between the two. At that point, the finished strike will bounce back to their hand. The turn cannot end with a card being played. The card does not become dead. It's not like a pseudo-stop where it's going to go to the discard pile. The finished strike will return to the player's hand. 
because their turn ended without them playing a card, they must bury a card in their discard pile if able. Throws cornbread from the crowd. Once a match, when your opponent has at least two more cards in their hand than you, bury three cards in your opponent's discard pile. Player A has 10 cards in hand. Player B has 8 cards in hand. Player A plays a card. Flip two cards. Add one strike and one grapple from your discard pile to your hand, or draw one card. Player B can reveal, throws cornbread from the crowd. Player A is committed to playing Armenian Super Shell. Player B, before the card hits, can go into the opponent's discard pile, choose three cards, bury them in the order the opponent wants to bury them in. The player revealing throws cornbread from the crowd. Now, as far as I know, there was a rule in place that once Armenian Super Show or cards like that hit and the text begins to resolve, you cannot reveal the spectacle in the middle of the text. To my knowledge, that has not changed. So, if that card hits, two cards are flipped, you cannot reveal, throws cornbread from the crowd to take any of the cards that were flipped and bury them. You must reveal, throws cornbread either before the text on the card resolves or after it resolves. You cannot reveal it in the middle of the text resolving. That, as far as I know, is still a rule in place. But you can reveal it while the card is being played, and that card is locked in place. It must be played. They cannot change the card being played after the player revealing throws cornbread from the crowd has buried cards in the discard pile. Additionally, and this is the note that's on the documents, if a player would, because of a spotlight effect, Add a card from discard pile to hand. You can reveal throws cornbread from the crowd. After that event would have triggered, after that spotlight effect would have triggered to bury the card. So, same example from before. Snap head butt. Player A rolls strike for the turn roll. They can add snap head butt from discard to hand. Player B, as long as the conditions are met regarding hand size, can reveal this. And they can bury snap headbutt so player A cannot add it to hand. Traps them in the bathroom once a match. When the crowd meter is one or greater, during your opponent's turn, you may reveal this card, and your opponent cannot reveal a spectacle card until the end of the turn. The only note here is that, like other spectacles, you are allowed to see what the opponent is revealing. Before you reveal this. You cannot reveal this. After a spectacle has started resolving. You must do this before that. But you can wait and see. What spectacle is revealed. And then reveal traps them in the bathroom in response. As far as I know. This does not take away the opponent's ability. To reveal a spectacle. If you use traps them in the bathroom. They still could, on a later turn, reveal a spectacle. Undermines the opposition. Once a match, when your opponent hits card 28, 29, or 30, without a skill or competitor logo, your breakout rolls are plus one this turn. If you have photobombed by Nemesis revealed, they are instead plus three. So this is similar to Did It Better from the Valiants. Whereas that reduced the finish roll, so you could make their finish roll come down from a 10 to a 9. So if you rolled a 9, you could beat it. This bumps up your breakout roll. I think I actually described these exactly the opposite, so let me go back real quick right here and correct that. Did it better reduces the opponent's finish roll. So if they rolled an 11, you could knock it down to 10, but you're allowed to wait. Until you roll. So if they rolled 10, you can roll, try to roll 10 three times. If one of those is a 9, you could reveal that. 
to reduce it to a 9 and break out. This is the opposite. This bumps up your breakout rolls. And again, you can wait until you see what the finish roll is. Decide to bump up your breakout rolls. Again, same thing with Photobond by Nemesis. It's plus 3 instead if you have that revealed. That undermines the opposition. Comes from under the ring. Once a match on your opponent's turn. When your opponent has 7 or more cards in their hand than you. Add one card from your discard pile to your hand. There are no notes on this. The last note was with Undermines the Opposition. But this is very similar to something like Got My Back. If they have 10 cards in hand, you have 3. Your opponent plays the finish strike on you. You can reveal this. Grab the stop for the finish strike from your discard pile. And play it because... The finish strike is locked in. Ringside Assault by once a match during your turn when you have two or fewer cards in your hand. If you have not played a card this turn, you may reveal this card and your opponent's maximum hand size is three until the end of the turn. End your turn. No rule change here. You do have to pass and bury because you did not play a card during the turn. Ringside Assist from once a match during your turn when you have one or fewer cards in your hand. If you have not played a card, you may reveal this card, and your opponent varies three cards in their hand and your turn. Same thing as the other one. Throws in the towel. If you stopped an unstoppable finish this turn, you win the match via pinfall. No rule change here. Trips you up once a match on your opponent's turn. If you have fewer cards in play than your opponent, blank the text of a card hit this turn. If it is not the first card hit, the card is blank. Until the end of the turn. Similar to Thunderous Support From. But instead of you copying their effect. You blank the effect again. It must be the second card hit. Not the second card played. You can't stop a card. And then blank it. Although you wouldn't do that anyway. It must hit to be blanked. That's it. That's the spectacles. Those are the spectacle rule changes. Pretty sure I got all of that right. Except I did make that mistake. And flip the numbers between did it better and undermines the opposition. Quick recap, did it better reduces the opponent's finish roll, undermines the opposition, increases your breakout rolls, and you're allowed to wait and see what their finish roll and what your breakout rolls are before you decide to reveal the spectacle and use it. So you can wait until it's the ideal situation for both of those spectacles. That's going to do it for spectacle rule changes. That took quite a while. Quite a while indeed. Let's go on to the next big story. Faction Wars 4. The Phase 0 playoff phase has ended. We have a top 16. Let me give you the matchups for the top 16. In Phase 1, we're going to have the Higher Class versus the Dynasty. Dangerous Wool Order. Versus the Armada. Undisputed Underground versus Paradise. Steel City Saints versus The Line. DQX versus Cuddle Commandos. Crime Wave versus Firing Squad. Freak Show versus Think Tank. And New Wield Order versus Impact. Here are the rules for how that's going to take place. The singles players are going to face off 10 skill versus 10 skill. So the person with a printed power of 10 for, say, the higher class will play the person with the printed power of 10 in the dynasty. Technique versus technique, agility versus agility, so on and so forth. Two out of three falls. Teams will earn one point for each fall. So. If, in the example I gave, the higher class was the power matchup 2-0, they score two points. If the Dynasty wins the Technique matchup 2-1, they score two points. The higher class scores one point. It's 3-2. So on and so forth. That's the singles matches. Tornado and Trios matchups. One fall. Two points to the winner, 
Zero points for the loser. There are no deficits. You don't lose points for losing. It's just the winner of the match scores two for their team. There's going to be a premier player match. Each team will pick one player to be the premier player. That player cannot be the Tornado Tag Team player or the Trios player. So you must choose one of the remaining four to be the premier player. Going forward, there will be a premier player in each additional round, and you cannot choose a player to be premier player once they have been chosen. So, in this round of 16, teams will choose their premier player. If they make the round of 8, they have to choose from the remaining three. They can't choose the Tornado, the Trio, or a previous premier player. Teams will not know who the opponent is choosing for the premier player prior to the matches happening, to that round starting. The premier player match for this phase one is going to be played using Psycho Circus rules. It will be one fall, and the winning team will earn two points for their team. Finally, in phase one, there's going to be a tag team match. Each team will choose two players to be in the tag team match. Those players cannot be the Tornado tag team player, the Trio player, or the player they have selected to be the premier player. It's going to be a one-fall match. It will be worth two points to the winner. Right now, the 16 remaining teams are in the deck-building phase. They have until January 7th, 11.59 p.m. Eastern, to email their deck lists to Everett Stevens. Once that deadline hits and all of the deck lists have been received, play can begin. Players will have until January 22nd to complete all of their matches. Players, as always, can change their cards numbers 1 through 30, but the competitor, the spectacle, and the entrance is locked in for the remainder of Faction Wars 4. That is the Faction Wars 4 news. I'll give an update probably around the 22nd once the matches have resolved and we start to see results from Phase 1. But that's what's going on in Phase 1 as of right now. Grand Gathering 3 news. Grand Gathering 3, March 17th through the 19th in the Cleveland, Ohio area. We have a couple of events announced for Grand Gathering 3. There's going to be a tag team event, not Tornado. Two-on-two. Two. Likely Saturday afternoon. Again, card subject to change, but there's going to be a tag team event. Look for this to be a more streamlined event than what you would normally get at a convention like Origins or Gen Con. Saturday night, there's going to be a grand battle. The winner of the grand battle will become a contender for the World Heavyweight Championship belt. Friday night... There's going to be a singles event. The winner will receive the Cookies Fortune. The Cookies Fortune has been in the past equivalent to a Money in the Bank. You can use it to get a championship match of your choice with some caveats. This isn't guaranteed. Every Cookies Fortune potentially could be different. But generally speaking, that's what the Cookies Fortune is. Those are the three events that we know of. For Grand Gathering 3. Speaking of championships. We have a couple of championship news things. And then there were a couple of championship matches. That took place this week. First. From the general manager Jean Clace. There are six belts that his office oversees. I'm going to assume those six belts are. The World Heavyweight Championship. The Underworld Championship the Tag Team Championship, the Tornado Tag Team Championship, the Trios Championship, and I believe the sixth is the Hardcore Championship. Those belts going forward will be defended monthly. Again, card subject to change, but expect those six belts 
to be defended monthly going forward. Double champions will not necessarily have to defend weekly. Again, we'll have to see. The general manager also announced that the next contender for the World Heavyweight Championship belt, the next person to face Big Match Pete, will be determined by a six-player grand battle match. So there's going to be at least one defense before Grand Gathering 3. Over the past six days, they've announced each player that's going to be in this grand battle match. Those six players are Pat Mulligan, Ken Fouché, Tim Riley, Chris Pagillo, Everett Stevens, and John Pulverino. I do not know if that's going to be the entrance order in the grand battle. The grand battle is SRG Universe's match to be like an over-the-top battle royal. It does start out with two players, and then every six turns, another player enters the match. So we don't know if this order is going to be the one through six, where Pat Mulligan and Ken Fouché are the first two in, and John Pulverino will be the last man in. We don't know. But those are the six players in the match. The winner of the match will face Big Match Pete for the World Heavyweight Championship. I don't know, and it has not been announced, when this match will happen. They have said, and that is the general manager, John Clays, has said, that the draft for the Grand Battle at Grand Gathering 3 will take place after this six-player Grand Battle match. So look for those dates to be announced in the future. We did have two championship matches this week. Let me give you the results of those championship matches. First, Tuesday night, the Midwest Coast Championship was on the line. The current champion, Funtime Bob, in response to criticism about a lack of defenses of that championship, named a challenger. That challenger, the man, I guess, formerly known as the Grump, currently known as Chili Willy, Danny Thunder, the current Play Pure champion, gets a shot at the Midwest Coast Championship. This is a long match. It only goes to crowd meter zero, but it's a good 15 to 20 minute match. A good back and forth. Fun Time Bob, the champion with his own competitor, Fun Time Bob. Danny Thunder playing as the Grump. In a, again, a nice back and forth match. The winner at crowd meter zero, new champion, Danny Thunder. Congratulations to him for that victory. He now has two championships around his waist. The other championship match from this week, Wednesday night, the LFF Triad Championship was on the line. The Cannoli, the champion with the Cannoli, took on challengers Zach Atchley as the Rising Sun and El Campeón de las Lamas as El Campeón de las Lamas. In a very long match that went over an hour, well over an hour, Went all the way to crowd meter five. A slight bit of controversy because El Campeon was using three skill cards in his deck. They did essentially determine that the third skill card, which was a rolling forearm skill card, would be considered blank for the remainder of the match. But with two opponents and an additional skill card, the challengers are unable to defeat the champion. Your winner at crowd meter five, still champion. The cannoli with the cannoli. I believe this is his first defense, which puts him in an elite club. Only a few players that have been triad champion have managed to defend successfully. It's always difficult to stand up against two opponents, but the cannoli does it here. He is still the LFF triad champion. Those are the big stories from this week. Let me talk about a couple of odds and ends before I get into the online tournament results from this past week. The SRG Award nomination period is still open. The nomination forms are out there. You can go to the SRG Super Show discussion group on Facebook, go to the file section, 
grab the file, download it, fill out the form. You can list multiple nominees for an award. You can list X or NA if you don't have a nominee for an award. And then email your completed form to John Clace at srguniverse.com. You have until January 8th to complete and send in your nomination forms. At some point, they will announce the nominees and then the awards will be given out at CaptainCon February 4th. The Bob Dunn deck, as it's been called, the series of cards created in tribute to Bob Dunn. Those decks are currently on sale on the website last I looked. They were at one point sold out. I know they came back into stock. I have not checked to see if they're still in stock or sold out. Currently asking $50 for the decks. Those are out there if you're interested in getting them. The cards were spoiled on the last episode of Talk of the Universe. So you can see what's going to be in the deck when you purchase the deck. They're still working on the Super Shell Go app. They're still trying to get approval in the iOS store. They have approval in the Android store. But there's been some technical changes as far as Android's concerned. So they're going to have to rework the next, I guess, upgrade, so to speak. I'm not sure on the technical aspects. But they are still going to be reaching out to people to be playtesters during Alpha. No more news on that front. And that is going to do it for this week's news outside of tournament results for this past week. So let's go ahead and start talking about the online tournament results from this past week, kicking off with the Monday night consigliere fights. There were 20 players in this event, five groups, four players per group. Each player played the other three players in their group. Top two records from each group advance into the top cut. I'm going to do my best here, but it looks like since they cut to a top ten, they had four of the players in the top ten play off. So two matches in Psycho Circus to then get us a top eight. All of the matches in the top eight were ladder. All of the matches in the top four were submission. The finals match and the third place match were steel cage matches. The top four were in fourth place, playing as Sammy the Draw Callahan. Chris Pate in third place, playing as Jean Constance. Practicite. The finalists were John Polverino as Maestro and Ken Fouché as the Grim Librarian, with Ken Fouché as the Grim Librarian winning Monday Night Consigliere Fights. Congratulations to him for winning that event. Thursday, we have Chibi's Thursday Night Fights. There were 18 players in this event. Two groups of five players, two groups of four. Each player played the others in their group. Top two records from each group advance into the top cut. This was the, it's Thursday Night Fights, but the theme is Seasons Beatings White Elephant. So, in the top cut, and this is a kind of a strange format. I'll do my best to explain it. Each player in the top cut was given a present, and that present was a stipulation. Of the two matchups, the lower-ranked matchup, the lower-ranked player in the matchup, to say, that's a better way to say it, the lower-ranked player in the matchup revealed their stipulation. The higher-ranked player could either choose to play under that stipulation or the higher-ranked player had his own stipulation, he could say, we're going to play as that instead. The idea being either he can steal the stipulation from the lower-ranked player for himself or play the one he has. The stipulation that is not used, the winner carries forward to the next round. From what I'm seeing here, it looks like the stipulations that were available were Last competitor standing, 
Beast Unchained, Steel Cage, and Raven's Blood Cemetery. That's what I'm seeing. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but that's what I'm seeing. The top four in this event end up being, because we do have a finals match and a third place match, the top four end up being in fourth place, playing as Kenzie Page, Prince Butters. In third place, playing as the magnificent Mr. Ray, the Italian Bombada. The finalists are Alec Ventresca as AJ Styles and Chris Pate as Sammy the Draw Callahan with the winner, Chris Pate as Sammy the Draw Callahan. Second top four finish for Chris Pate. Congratulations for winning the Thursday Night Fights Seasons Beating White Elephant event. The final event from this week is a pop-up from Saturday night. The Italian Powers Holiday Bash. This is an event hosted by the Italian Bombata and the Cannoli. There are 20 players playing in four rounds of Swiss. After the four rounds of Swiss, there's a top cut. They cut to 14 players. I don't have all the details about what happened in the top cut, but here are the top three. The top three in this event end up being in third place, playing as Kenzie Page, Prince Butters. In second place, playing as the Phoenix EV Fresh, Zach Ashley. And the winner, winning his first online tournament ever, playing is Najamai Craig Brett. Congratulations to Craig Brett for winning your first ever online event. That is an accomplishment. Honorable mention to Prince Butters, second top four appearance this week. And I need to make a correction here. I reported that the results in the finals from Monday Night Consigliere fights that Ken Fouché as the Grim Librarian defeated John Polverino as Maestro. That's incorrect. I accidentally reversed them. The winner of this week's Monday Night Consigliere fights was the player of the era with Maestro. I apologize for that error. And with that, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. I'd like to thank all of you for listening, and a good day.